there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. It's an incredibly full house this morning and spanning the globe with Jethro in England, Aaron and Shepard in uh, Detroit, and then, of course, at home base, Charlie and Matt in Los Angeles. And Rob, special shout out to Rob and Jonathan, who are virtually producing a CNN news show right now with <laughs> 10 different locations. It, uh, it does look like the behind the scenes of some news show over here. There's wires and cables going every which way, several different lights and cameras going on. It's a, it's, it's a miracle that this is working. And two people doing a 12-person job, minimally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, welcome to Aaron, best friend Aaron Weekly to the podcast. Aaron, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Love being here. Love seeing you guys again. So long. Way too long. And um, we were speaking, Aaron confided in me that Ruthie had said, hey, do you feel left out that those boys all started this Formula One podcast without you? And your response was? I said, uh, I feel left out of... <clears throat> how much joy you get out of this F1 racing. <laughs> it wasn't that he wasn't on it as much as he can't understand how we enjoy watching it so much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you don't you don't enjoy it that much. <laughs> I don't hate it. I, I actually enjoyed it a, a lot two nights ago. Yeah. We watched it together. I said, well, look, why don't you watch with me so you can join us uh, when we record? And... I have that anxiety you have when it's like you're showing, I don't know, a girl you're dating your favorite movie and you're hoping she likes it. And then I got abnormally critical of the race. I, if you, you guys could imagine, like in some ways it was so incredible because Max wasn't leading for 15 laps, yep. which was so exciting. But only if you know how impossible that is. But did you also do I, the thing where you're like, oh, well, normally it's not normally this would happen. I think I knew a, a little bit more than uh, Dax gave me credit. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do take peeks at your guys uh, show. And <laughs> but, you know, of the 75 minutes the race happened, I spoke for 71 of the minutes trying to get him excited about what we were watching. Yeah. But I will say and tell me if I'm wrong, Aaron. Those tr those passes on the outside, I don't know what turn those were. It was like mid-track. Some of those overtakes that were all along the outside, the big sweeping right, and people were going wide. It got scary as fuck, didn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And you know what? 
I've loved every race, like the races we've been to. That first one in Austin, fucking loved it. I felt like I was high on meth, and <laughs> yeah. um, and I was like, "This is it. This is my thing." And I loved watching it with. If I was out there and watched it with you guys, I would love it. I can't. I won't do it. I <laughs> wait. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I could. Yeah, I won't. I won't. But I yeah. won't. That's honest. I appreciate the honesty. Did you guys watch together, Charlie Matt? No, no. Charlie didn't respond to the text. You know, I got up, I woke up about 5.15 and couldn't go back to bed. So I watched it live for the oh, first geez. time in a, okay. you know, a European a race. Watched it live, which is pretty fun. We were just talking about, I've been um, at Aaron's now for four nights and he makes me in the morning a huge pot of coffee with a shot of espresso. And I, uh, this morning had heart palpitations and nausea for the first time in so long on caffeine and I enjoyed it so much. So I'm just wondering, is it delightful, Charlie, to have that caffeine hitting as you're watching and the lights are out and away we go. It was pretty great to be waking up with the race action. Like the race is waking up as I was waking up. It was, it was pretty great. Um, and everyone was asleep the entire time. So there was no distractions, nothing I should be doing or could be doing nothing. I wasn't needed for anything. So, so 10 out of 10. It was it was pretty great. Jethro, how did you watch it? Or did you? <laughs> I did watch it. I had a um, busy Princess Anna weekend, basically, oh. because it was my daughter's third birthday. So there was an awful lot of uh, Princess Anna action. I was in Indiana uh, at Laura's parents' place. There is some cable Disney ESPN thing going on with Spectrum so that they you can't watch anything um so there was this whole situation managed to watch it in the end streaming off the app um but yeah i feel ill prepared and i've had about two hours sleep because i literally landed in the uk four four hours ago i think so i just came home jumped in the shower feel ill prepared but yeah i i loved watching it you can't beat monza can you all oh those God. people ferrari almost winning a race it was incredible the thing that aaron and i both immediately in the same way that when they go to monaco they cannot stop saying monogasque <laughs> this whole tofosi thing which took me p1 p2 and quality to understand what the fuck they were talking about a tofosi was i thought it was the physical section of stand, grandstands, like this, the Tavosi is on fire right now. And I thought it was just that section, like the Tavosi Like the section. plaza level the, or the, the loge. Mm, uh -huh. so, so I actually sure, have that, the actual definition of it here. So Tavosi oh so triggered you guys too. those infected by typhus disease. It's a reference to someone acting in no. a fevered manner. So it kind of exclusively no. designs to the Italian fans, whether it's soccer or race car fans that are just hardcore, gung-ho, wild Italian fans. We read different definitions, but I love <laughs> yours. So we can we can go with yours. But mine had something to do with uh, a history of burning things and smoke. And it start, it's a Greek term originally, I think I read. But let's go with, what did you just say? Typhoid fever. <laughs> Typhoid fever. Typhoid. Typhus. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're on different internet. They said Tafosi probably a thousand times throughout p1 to the end of the race i definitely chalk it up to my ignorance it's just funny when you get to see them lay into some local thing like that whether it's monogasque or tofosi i mean i don't i don't know what singapore holds for us but i pray there's a new word that might not be for us to cover but i'll enjoy listening to them do it <laughs> did they talk a lot about the scuderia as well or was it just the tofosi that was getting the coverage pre-race and practice they they hit the scuderia quite a bit like 
They were talking about all the paddocks and and the garages, but it was the Scuderia for Ferrari. Uh, Scuderia? Yeah, tell Aaron what Scuderia is. <laughs> Sounds like a, um, a lower abdominal condition, doesn't it? Men's Like, oh my God, I ate so much pizza last night. Fucking Scuderia at three in the morning. <laughs> I think Scuderia is just stable because the mm -hmm. obviously Ferrari is the prancing horse and Scuderia is the stable and then the Tifosi are the crazy fans. So Tifosi. we're fully up to speed now. What was y'all's reaction to the race? Because it was abnormally interesting, just the notion that it seemed like there was no straight line advantage for the Red Bull. So every time they got out on the stretch or on the straight and Max would open up the DRS, he just couldn't gain on signs. And it was... It was pretty thrilling was just to see yeah. a lack kind of advantage. Kind of the advantage. first time, and Perez had the same issue. I mean, they were held up behind him forever, and both of them saying the same thing, like, we just can't do it. And I just loved how on edge Signs was. I mean, he was he was pushing. He was doing everything he could. All the radio calls were that he wasn't giving anyone any room, and he was just to the max. And it was it The was Tafosi awesome. are loving science right now. The Tafosi go crazy as science barrels down and he's not letting Max in. The Tafosi cheer. It was so fun to watch. What a battle. And to see at the end, those two boys, uh, Charles and, and science, just go for it. I mean, so many moments I'm like, here we go. They're going to, they've got a podium guarantee, but they're going to take themselves out. There was lockups. <laughs> there was smoke. There were people running off the course. Yep. It was thrilling. Nothing crazy happened, but it was one of the most exciting races, in my opinion, this season. There was just so much of that. So many two cars going to that first chicane that should not be side by side and couldn't be side by side. And so many times they went off to that like safety runoff that like kind of pass. And it was just too much. Like it was Albon was just defending like a champion. Like science was defending like a champion. It was incredible. Like Oscar going in with like battling with Lewis. There was just so many parts. Oh yeah. Lap 42, Piastri and Lewis, they come together. It's Lewis's fault. Piastri's fearless. Like, we got, oh, we got another Matador uh, in F1 yeah. that's willing to die. That's all we want from our drivers, a willingness to die. And then he doesn't get on the radio and complain. But did you believe at any point, Dax, did you believe that your boy Max might not win a race? Or did you know it was inevitable in those first 14 laps? You know, it, I, I guess I started switching to the idea that they were going to have to do it with a pit stop or something, you know, that they're going to have to pull out another tool in the toolbox, which, again, you don't have, often have see them do. But what was really curious was, and I guess this is why DRS was invented, is once he got around him, he immediately was a half second a lap faster. He just completely checked out. It's just he couldn't get around him. But to see what the unbridled pace of the car was, was so f curious, right? Ferrari were quite clever in that they ran the car in qualifying with this skinny wing, so they had less downforce, so they had really, really good straight line speed. Their engine's good anyway. They had two new engines for their guys. Um, but that meant they were going to be quick, but wear their tires out more. Mm -hmm. So the Red Bull wasn't quite didn't have that usual straight line advantage, but it had so much more grip. So it was just a waiting game for Max. But Sainz hung on and hung on and did a great job. Do you guys think uh, Max is ever not confident? Like, he didn't seem to be you know, worried. I thought he was a little, I sensed a little bit of nervousness when he came on and said that he noticed Sainz was losing the rear end and he just waited out. Like, something about that to oh, me I was Oh, I saw like, that as confidence, oh, but we, I guess I don't know. Me too. We got to wait. Like, he felt that that's the first time I, I sensed he was a little nervous 
just a little because he had to point it out. It wasn't like, you know, anyone on the radio came on and asked him how he's feeling or how the pace felt. He just came on and said, we're going to have to wait this one out, which I don't know, was a little bit of nervousness in there. I interpreted that as him getting self-conscious of the fact that he has not passed Carlos yet. And his own ego is like, I'm going to announce to the world I'm playing the waiting game right now. I'm being mature. His rears are going. He's slipping around and I'll be able to just walk past him here in a few laps. I think it was more like. I'm going to answer the people asking why aren't why isn't Max passing him already? Yep, he was commentating. He was commentating just as he's normally <laughs> listening out for phones or dogs or whatever else it is. He was actually just giving the commentators a little bit of a helping hand. But I find on the broadcast it was cool. They they were showing the ERS percentage that the cars had left, which I don't think they've done before. And it was like going around the track. Max was like 20 percent less in his ERS reserves than Carlos was and Carlos was at front. And the ERS is what? The, the energy recovery system. So you energy. get 100%. So if he's kind of like just coming off, if he's braking harder or letting off the gas and kind of coasting, he's charging up his battery. So around the corners, he was focusing on that a little bit more. Well, I did clock the, every time Max was right on him. Somehow Max was harvesting. You could see his, his, his lights blinking. And then poor science, you saw very little harvesting. He was just having to have his foot in the oven and yeah. pray that he stayed ahead. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of got a question as we're talking about this, like them battling together. They talk a lot about dirty air and clean air. And then in practice, they talk a lot about, um, you know, when they're kind of slingshotting in behind to try to get them a faster the toe, lap time. Yeah. What is the difference of a toe and dirty air? Like, is it a matter of 10 feet? Like, where is the balance between that? I guess it depends <clears throat> on the track, but the toe, you have to be... The toe is quite a long uh, way ahead. So basically they're punching a big hole in the air, like a vacuum. So there's less air resistance, which means you get um, a toe. It's just like um, when you watch cycling, the peloton, it takes the effort away for them, from the guys behind because they're punching that hole in the air. But if you're too close and you're in the vortex in the really dirty air, it hits your wings in a different way, which means you don't generate as much downforce. It overheats your front tires because you've got less grip. So it's a it's a balance between getting the toe and being in the dirty air and just losing all your aerodynamic efficiency. But you but the toe is further away. I thought it was a lot closer, but they were saying in qualifying, I think, when they were strategizing around getting a toe, that it was really far, like four to six seconds you could still get a toe, which seemed like a long, yeah, that's way further than long way. Yeah, it seems like on the straightaway, they can be like 50 car lengths behind and they're still in that toe zone. But yeah, shows, the closer they lose. Yeah, it shows how hard the cars are, are working that air. You know, that's how much of mm -hmm. a hole they're punching in it because they're just disrupting it so much. Yeah. Oh, it just occurred to me that back when Camel Cigarettes had an F1 car, they could have called that the Camel Toe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad we missed that era when Camel was proudly displayed. It's the best era. There, the Trevosi go wild as the Camel Toe rockets Pepin Broads up to second. Um, I think we could get into, listen, the, I thought the race was spectacular. If there's anything else we need to mention, obviously Max sets a new record. He's 10th. Vettel congratulates him. Um, as we all saw, Toto is like, I don't know who I, you know, who goes onto Wikipedia. This is all this is for is Wikipedia. No one's interested, but good for him. I wouldn't care. I'm never on Wikipedia. 
It was yeah, so, somehow Wikipedia so bitter. <laughs> it was, like, it it was <laughs> surprising how bitter he was about that. And even Lewis. Oh, yeah. Lewis is on a roll. It's like every time I open Instagram, Lewis is giving yet another interview blasting Max. Uh, what's crazy to me is like, you know, first he said all of his teammates were better than Max's yeah. teammates, which I don't know is whatever. Who cares? But the notion that uh, he'd be giving him a lot of shit is just comical because two seasons ago he had a better car and he lost. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. It's crazy he makes those statements when it's like, this one, this isn't fictitious. Three seasons ago you had a better car and he won. It makes me even more and more want Lewis and Max to be in the same car. Like, it's almost like put your money where your mouth is now. Let's see it. Well, speaking of which, yep. Lewis did get that new contract finally. Two years. For a lot of money. How much? I think the rumor was 100 million pounds for two years. So it's out 130 million. 20, 130, yeah. 130 million for two years. I don't know how they do contracts in Formula One, but it seems like a short contract considering he's at the end. Yeah. He's just getting uh, a lot for his retirement to just. It just seems in. like he'd lock in like a four year deal or something if he's going to stay. They're certainly not going to have probably the best car next year. So he's minimally looking at one year of top performance. I, I don't know. I thought he'd be longer. I thought he was holding out for like a four-year deal or something. Again, though, it, every time like you watch Mercedes, you listen to how he talks and you really think Mercedes is in fifth, or at least I do. And then you look at the standings and you go, oh, no, no, they're second very comfortably. Yeah. Like Mercedes is number two. They're competitors. Is, they want number yeah. one. And if they're not yeah, winning, no, well. they're losing. That's all there is to it. And I like it. There are no signs that they're making a rapid improvement. No. You know, they, they're just consistently where they are compared to Red Bull. And it's everyone else who moves around. Like Ferrari might be good one race. They'll be terrible the next race. Same with McLaren. You know, they're all moving around. And Mercedes are just consistently in that spot. But they're not that great. I can't see them winning in the next two years. I feel like they're in a in a cycle of just a downward spiral almost. Well, I did some fun things per, I think it was, maybe it was, I don't know if it was Charlie's or Jethro's idea, but I went ahead and did some research on two of the brands that are advertised on the race cars. Remember we were speaking maybe last episode that um, you have no clue what these brands are when you see the close up mm. of them. Yep. The first one in the, in the least exciting is you may have noticed on the Red Bull car, there is an advertisement for, I guess, Rocket, R-O-K-T, R-O-K-T. And what Rocket is, is an e-commerce uh, company that helps checkout better. And now this has somehow been built into a company that's valued at $2.7 billion. And they're there in a uh, partnership role to help promote female e-drivers for e-sports athletes. Um, but in this rocket um, investigation, I found out, what do you think Oracle pays a year to sponsor Red Bull? Let's hear some guesses. I'm going to go with 80 million. Great. Matt? 47 million. Okay. And Jethro? <laughs> uh, I was going to say 100 mil. Gang, Oracle's paying $300 million annually. Wow. So that's just one of the sponsors. What do you think Bybit is paying? You know, we're not even, I'm not going to put you through that. Bybit, you've seen those little stickers. Uh, I think they do the front wing. Yep. Maybe exclusively so like for a Bitcoin Red Bull. thing? They're a crypto exchange, yeah, from Taiwan. They're spending $150 million annually. So just between Oracle and Bybit, they're raising $450 million of advertisement money. It's and the budget, isn't and it? the budget cap is what? 175 mil plus the drivers and the top 
four employees or whatever. So they're paying for that just with two sponsors. Yeah. So that was the boring brand. Um, and here's where it gets really exciting. I got curious what this VGW VG, <laughs> VG Play, which is on the Ferrari car. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. And what VGW Play is, is a free online gaming site. That's not the exciting part. The exciting part is the owner of VGW Play, who is Lawrence Escalante, a man from Perth, uh, worth $3.4 billion. I'm going to now call this, this is a new category segment for the show, Addy Zaddy. (laughs) Okay? So this is an Addy Zaddy, Lawrence Escalante. Get your slacks off, because three weeks ago, the founder and 60% stakeholder, Lawrence Escalante, an Australian from Perth, was arrested in Melbourne when his private jet was returning from Las Vegas. His quote is, I've just come from um, a five-week-long mostly work, but ending three days in Vegas, partying with literally 20 friends, he told Australian Border Force officers. I didn't even know that was in my bag or that I had it. That should have otherwise been disposed of before I even bored it. But, you know, three days, drunk a lot in Vegas, chucked it all in. Officers found 1.1 grams of cocaine, one ecstasy tablet, and seven tickets of LSD in his (laughs) possession, stashed in a plastic bottle and jeans pockets. So this guy... This was just like the scraps that were left over that he kind of forgot about. This motherfucker goes hoard. That same thing happened to a friend of mine in my 20s. He had a small bag of drugs that broke in the bag, forgot about it two years later, lent the suitcase, and him and his the other guy and his girlfriend go to Jamaica. And on the way back, they swabbed his bag and got fucked. Okay, what I'm gonna ask Aaron. He'll he'll have the same answer. What do we know immediately about Matt's friend who owned the suitcase? Uh, he's Canadian. Well, that's yeah, true. He sure. did mention that. <laughs> Good. What I would say is your friend who owned the suitcase is not an addict. Would Aaron, would you ever accidentally spill some cocaine in a suitcase and not retrieve it all with your nostrils? No, there's no such thing as leftovers or scraps <laughs> or misplaced placed, uh, grams or anything like that. I looked up an ad. Yeah. You see the one on Max's face mask jumbo.com oh yeah mm-hmm. what is jumbo.com it's like a dutch instacart i mean that must be so expensive that real estate well this vgw play sponsorship is a three-year deal at 108 million and they are not anywhere close to like the lead sponsor wow. of that car you got to look for that graphic did we decide that the the helmets the drivers get those ad dollars Airs yeah i think sell. the helmets there's and it probably depends as well driver to driver like the bigger you are the more negotiation rights you get but i think the helmets are theirs so max is getting a shitload of money from the yeah. i mean if if you know one big sponsor is paying over 300 million a year you got to imagine he's got 100 million a year on his helmet yeah this sticker for for the vija <laughs> this reminds me this is this is like righteous gemstone uncle baby uncle baby billy's bible bonkers oh my god this is what it is i can't (laughs) say it uncle baby baby's bible bumpers i don't want to talk about it anymore vg barbara play that the size of that sticker is not bigger than the one on max's uh helmet i hope to goodness he's like pocketing 20 mil somehow he's got a per annum 
He's got to be. Mm. Okay, so that was, uh, I'd like to check in with that. I think we have still dozens and dozens of more sponsors to expose. Oh, one one interesting overlap between, that was taken completely at random. I wrote those two down. And both companies, both Bruce Buchanan and Lawrence Escalante, uh, Australian. So the Australians are heavy into Mm F1, clearly. They got two drivers involved and all kinds of sponsorships. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Matt, give us some pulp from the paddock. Obviously, you've got a big... Carlos Sainz story to hit us with. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll start off with that. Carlos Sainz was robbed of his watch about a few hours after he hit the podium. Uh, He was with his bodyguard. It was funny in the news. It's like the cost of the watch has ranged from $300,000 to a million dollars. Every article, (laughs) it's a different price. I don't understand. Like, (laughs) sure, there's, you know, there's different currencies, whatever, but that's a large discrepancy. First of all, I got to say, Richard Meal watches, I don't think look good. They they look a bit tacky to me, those watches that they wear. That's just personal. Well, there goes our Richard Miele Miele. sponsorship. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, like, yeah, and he chased him down. Like, him and his bodyguard chased the guy down and got him, which is awesome. But this is, like, the second Ferrari driver this year that's had his watch stolen. And wasn't both times it in Italy? The yeah. Tifo- the Tifosi. Poor Tifosi. But yeah, apparently part, some of the Tifosi also chased after this guy. So they stole his watch and also some of the good Tifosi helped to get it back. The Tifosi have run rabid. They're stealing everyone's watches. <laughs> but why did he give up his watch? Oh, I think it was taken from I, him. Like, I think it was grabbed. I couldn't find anything about how Nothing. it happened, but it was in yeah. the hotel or like in the Outs- lobby of a hotel. Yeah. So I'm assuming... I just don't get how... It's gone, but then they all chase him. Like, if they were going to, I not can't even give get my watch, own watch don't off my arm. Yeah, list. if you're going to go through the effort of, if you know you're going to track him down, just don't give it up. I think Leclerc, they pulled up and pretended they were fans. Yeah, so maybe and he was an arm out the car. Yeah, like they pretended they wanted a photo or something, and then just snatched it. Well, although we just stumbled upon what would be the greatest strategy for all of us, which is. Put up zero fight, hand over the watch because you want the chase. Yeah, like there's so much heroism in that reclaiming oh, the watch, and just all chasing the cell down phone a street of you trucking down the street. Yeah, yeah. Slow mo that tackling the guy, getting your watch back. Tafosi cheering. Also, do we consider that this is a uh, an advertising plan? I mean, we've talked about this watch now. I've read about it four hundred times yeah. about the value of this watch. I don't know. They could have. <laughs> they could have. Could have been an inside job. Yeah, you almost wonder why, like, the same brand is not giving the drivers, like, an exact replica. That's kind of a crazy workaround. They would make an identical watch that was somehow cheaper, but it's made in the Richard 
Melee factory and with all components, like fabricating a fake one would be, it would just be one. I guess if I were these watch manufacturers, I'd be debating whether this is good promotion. Cause all we know about these watches is you will be the victim of strong arm <laughs> robbery. If you own one. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of their spokesperson has been now robbed aggressively yeah. in public. Also Lando. I feel like if you walk around with a $500,000 watch on. Yeah. You're sort of asking for it, aren't you? And it's these sort of drivers, they're, they go so far as to paint the watch on their racing wow. suit. So you know that there's they some do. value behind these. And you know they're all wearing one of the. They're all sponsored by a watch company. So you know if you're going to pick a target, you can bet these Formula One drivers are going to be wearing some some expensive watches. But what if Lamborghini's number one sales pitch was <laughs> leading the world in gunpoint carjackings? <laughs> this car is irresistible. <laughs> if you like to get in some action, get yourself a Richard Mille watch and a, a Ventador and let the games begin. But I feel like also in Europe, you're more a little more confident to chase after the watch robber. Like, I think if you're in America, downtown LA, you get your watch stolen, you're like... Chance are of this guy having a firearm is high. So I'm not going to yeah, chase after point. him. But Europe, you're like, the odds are low. I'm going to really go after this guy. What if these watch manufacturers said not for sale in America? <laughs> yeah, for, yeah for that exactly. I also wonder if he wasn't riding high after that race, if he even bothers chasing him down. I mean, he must have just been so fired up and he had already been in a fight all day that he's like, fuck it. Bring it on. Great point. It's like the way you drive your personal car home from the go-kart track, which is like you enter the on-ramp way too fast and get into the shoulder. <laughs> take that turn a little yeah, he's too like, But Running hot. He thought he could take anyone down. Yeah. In the video stuff and the footage you see of it after, like you just see kind of like signs sitting there, like how you would be after something like that happened, your adrenaline just pumping through your body. It's a perfect day. Yeah. A podium and a oh, watch and, he was and so a hero. cool about it when he was asked about the, the robbery and getting it back. He's like, I just... I'm glad no one was hurt. Everyone's fine. Yeah. Can you imagine the the lovemaking <laughs> he put on his partner after I, that big day? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and are we sure it wasn't Josh Verstappen who actually stole his I watch? I think it was, <laughs> allegedly. Because Carlos had the yeah. temerity to be in front of, of him for 14 laps. Ah. Okay, yes, but but he would have returned with a fractured skull. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Maybe he wouldn't have won that battle. <laughs> That's how they ruled Yos out of any crime. Was the skull fractured? Okay, well, he had nothing to do with it then. <laughs> All right, what's some more pulp, man? All right, I got an interesting one I didn't bring up last week. Um, Dax, what is your record of holding your breath underwater? Wow. Off the cuff, that's tough, but I, I, I think about a minute 20 all is right. all I can do. What do you think Toto's is? Well... Yeah, he's 3x the man I am, so I'm going to say four minutes, four minutes 360. <laughs> so yeah. his average is four and a half minutes, and if he does his breathing oh properly, it's five. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who is verifying this information? He, he, he did. It was him. Anything. He said it. He, he could say anything. He yeah, said seven it. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I would give up my entire life to be his assistant, to just observe him move through the world and set these records and facilitate and all of this champion. like set up his free dives on vacation and make his pumpernickel yes time um yeah crisp is <laughs> get, you know get that pumpernickel, pumpernickel. so crisp yes <laughs> and make it so crispy <laughs> i'm gonna hold my breath for six minutes today i need extra pumpernickel <laughs> Also got an interview with Lando Norris that I saw, and he talked about his love for just gaming. What would you guys think is the longest stint that Lando did gaming straight without a break? I don't know. Six hours, but again, I, I, I don't know hours. the sport. 
36 hours straight. You know, when someone loses 36 hours to some powdered cocaine, we're all very judgmental. But if a guy just throws 36 hours right into the video game console, we're like, yeah, that's why not? He's got the whole he's got the whole internet to choose from and he chooses to do 36 hours playing FIFA soccer or something. Yeah. yeah. We also got like a couple things with Yuki. Yuki did a cute little thing cooked for Pierre Gasly over the week. He came and wore a, wore a chef's hat and made him I think fried rice and a few other things. Really cute. We also have Yuki being the first driver since 2009 that has had three teammates in a season, which is pretty wild. And at that same thing, I think Lawson has been doing incredibly well and there's now rumors going around be like He's no one's crushing. really worried about Lawson taking Daniel's seat but people are like does Yuki have to be worried now if there's a single driver I'd want to give immunity to where his race results should have no bearing on whether or not he's brought back It'd be Yuki. Yeah. He's the one person I'd be happy to just stay in forever, regardless of performance. Well, I think he's going to, I really stand by, I think he might go to Austin Martin next year. We have to be fair to Stroll. He started this season absolutely starving for victory. He was racing with two broken wrists at the worst track to have that at. So he he started hungry. Something happened like five, six races ago. I don't know if he's fallen in love or what's It kind of seems like that across the board for Aston Martin. I mean, other than last week, um, we saw some excitement out of Alonso, but they've had a quiet last couple races where Mm. we just haven't seen much spark, not a lot of energy, uh, and the performance hasn't been there either. So I'm not really sure. But Stroll has been – I've picked him. I've had my eye on him the last two weeks, and he has been – Right at the bottom. I saw a stat. I was, a, you know, it was just a post, and uh, I talk so much shit on him. I also want to be fair and celebrate him. So, you know, it as Max gets this tenth win in a row and enters the history books, you reflect back on Lewis, and it's pretty staggering his record when you look at mm-hmm. it. Just the fact he's he's been in three hundred and twenty three races. And he's won 103 of those yeah. races. He has won 33% of the races he's entered. He's been on the podium 195 times out of 323. So that uh, two-thirds of the times he's raced, he's on the podium. 104 pole positions. It you know, And he destroyed it's a, as a and rookie. Seven, seven titles, yeah. So he, he really still is so fucking impressive when you look at the stats. What were some of his teammates, Jethro? He had some... Well, he had some button. <clears throat> yeah. Alon- yeah, Alonso, Jensen Button, um, who else he had? Rosberg, Rosberg, who yeah. actually took a ti- took a title off him. But he's had some he's had some really good yeah. teammates. And he has been dominant, but there's this assumption that because Alonso's forty one that Hamilton can do it. But Alonso's like a freak. No one else has really done it in history. And just because Lewis hit the the highs that he did, it doesn't necessarily mean that in two or three years' time he's still going to be the man, you know? So maybe we're seeing him drop off a little bit, like weird mistakes like the one with Piastri. He still seems to pull it out sometimes, but he he doesn't have the consistency he had when he was just like killing everyone every weekend. Another quick one is the cost cap is now, the cost cap investigation of 2022 is done. No one breached the cost cap at all. So everyone's free and clear and has their certificates and is all good. One thing we didn't talk about that was awesome that I love to see was James Fowles, the little stunt he pulled about the fake pit stop. During the race, which was amazing. So McLaren did it. And then James Vowles was talking how he's like, saw them all coming out for the pit stop. And he's like, I didn't budge. He's like, I knew it was fake. I wonder what tells they're looking for. 
Like, is there some, you know, do they not bring it out with the same There must be like, volition? you know, in baseball, they have the dummy calls where they do all the calls, but it's like the call after I touch my nose is the one. So they must have a word <laughs> yeah. where they say something and then the call after that word is real or the dummy call. But yeah, that was when yeah. McLaren couldn't get, get past Albon. Yeah. So they tried to tried to get Albon to do a quick pit with that dummy call. Yeah. That was so good. As much as I'm a supporter of DRS, <clears throat> seeing it neutralized a bit in this race and seeing what the only other option was, was all these insanely heroic passes on the outside. I, I guess, you know, yeah, when you take away the easy way around somebody, they're still going to get around. It's just going to be three times as death defined. Yeah. yeah. Diving in that. Oh, this is so exciting, that first corner. That's the scaredest I've been in whatever we're at, 15 races this season, is all those passes on the outside. They were just so And the Claire locking up on that last one. Everyone was just like holding their breath, being like, this is it. I thought for sure they were were taking each other out. Neither of them was. uh, So good. I thought for sure. Okay, so remind everyone of your P10 picks. I know, I know, I do remember Matt's. His was the most memorable. Everyone laughed at me. I was like so excited when I saw that going through. I was like, I even told Laura, I was like, everyone laughed at me for this one and fucking he's in like 11. Well, as it turned out, you and I were equidistance yeah. from it with our picks, which is I was three away with Albon in seventh and you were three away with Sargent in 13th. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you boys have? I had Stroll, unfortunately. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> okay, so 16th. I had Piastri. Stroll was nowhere, was he? Piastri was close. I thought I was going to get it at the end there. Yeah. yeah. You're close. Yeah, you're close. And Botas just edged him out. Good thing you didn't pick Ocon this time because he was actually people laughed about it because he DNF'd and no one talked about it for a second on the broadcast. It was lost. Everyone's still laughing about it. Ocon, the man everyone forgot, never spoken about again. Well, Al- Alpine became <laughs> Alpha Tauri almost for this yeah. race, didn't they? they? Did they qualify like 18th <laughs> and 19th or something? Crazy. They were useless. It was weird to see that in extreme drop-off because they've been so consistently circling 10. Mm-hmm. And Gasly was got a podium last time out, and then he qualifies like 18th or something, Wild. but it was bad. Finishes But yeah, I was 15th. excited for Piastri for a minute. I thought I was going to get it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's okay. That just means there's a very tasty carryover for Singapore. We got to get that money up. I saw another post-race kind of pseudo compliment from Max to Carlos. His awkward. No, what he, he said. What he said. I felt bad for you. Were sliding. Your tire deg was terrible, oh. but top speed saved you many times. And so he's like, <laughs> "It's just, it's, I get it." But it's still just the delivery's not quite there. Well, now again, this, and this really this is very consistent with how much I adore Max and how much you adore Lewis, which is you thought he was insecure when he said, I'm going to take my time. I actually saw that uh, Max saying that to him as like, good job, mate. Like you you drove it to the tires ripped off. I, I think that's what he was trying to say. It's just another example of, of <laughs> he's just not doesn't know how to deliver these things. You know, like I, I get no. what his intention was in his message. For sure. He was saying. You did a hell of a job, given what, given the car and and the tire degradation, but just the and delivery how good I am. There. I think it's just the language. I didn't bear. know those were his intentions, and I just thought it was flat out fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> when you heard that, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, they're gonna fight right here. <laughs> if he would have said that to Science after that robbery and and Chase, he might have had his hands full. Science was on one later in the evening. Mm-hmm. 
Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing they didn't bump into each other to rehash. Well, it's actually funny because in the post race interview, they actually were like, "Oh, Carlos, your new nickname should be the Minister of Spanish Defense," which is then funny because three <laughs> hours later, he defended his watch being stolen. Like he's for sure. The Minister of Defense now. We have a zaddy for this week. Yes, Is that yes, true? Even do. though we already had an Addy zaddy, we're going to now have a zaddy zaddy. So this one involves no jail time, um, <laughs> no criminal activity, but um, this is about Anthony Hamilton. So Lewis's father. Mm. So he was born in Granada, and he also was married to his first wife, Carmen, who actually they got divorced when I think Lewis was two years old. Um, but Carmen had made a statement saying their divorce was because of Anthony's lust for glory that ruined their marriage. Trying to like, you know, be a stage dad and really get Lewis going through it. Um, he basically, Anthony inspired Lewis's racing career by buying him a remote control car. And that's where it all mm. began. So he actually started, I think he was five, and he was competing against adults in competitions and winning in just a remote control RC car. And that's where it all began. Mm. And then at the age of six, he got him into karting. Anthony worked several jobs, including IT management, window salesman, dishwasher, and putting up signs for a real estate agent to put Lewis through karting. So this is obviously a vast difference from most daddy zaddies that we've done where they're millionaires, billionaires, and he was working four jobs, and then I'm sure giving up every weekend, every night. That was a lot of commitment, which obviously terminated their marriage. Sounds like he made the right decision. Uh, Stick with the racing. 100%. You know. But then he <laughs> kind of was his manager the whole way through, um, which is interesting because when I read this book, The Mechanic, it was the guy who was the mechanic for Lewis's first season. And he was talking about how Kind of Lewis got this strange reputation because of all of his press conferences. He was almost unliked in the way that he was talking. Everything seemed too robotic, and it was very much instructed by his father. And he said one of the mm. best things Lewis did was he fired his father as his manager in 2010. And I think there were many years where it was like a little bit of a conflict there. Obviously, it probably isn't smooth to fire your father, um, but uh, it's still been repaired since. Um and then an interesting fact through this that I learned is Lewis, I don't know if it's official, but he was in the process of changing his name to add his mother's maiden name, Lar Balister. So it's oh, wow. maybe currently in his name. I'm sure if he said two years ago he was doing it, it's probably legally in his name somewhere because he was upset that his mother did so much for him, but the name was never in there. I would like to pitch that he goes by his former last name as his first name and then maiden name as the last name. So Hamilton Labista sounds very elegant. Yeah. It'd be very what was the bougie. name? Sir, oh. Sir Hamilton Labista. Larbalista. Hamilton Larbalista. Larbalista. Um, he's also an inventor, Lewis's father. He has two oh, wow. products called the Kick Tricks. And so the kick tricks is he saw that uh, in soccer to like what you see like keep ups. Before you proceed, I don't know what keep ups. Keep ups are. is like what? hacky sack where you're keeping the hacky sack up in the air. Oh. You're, how many times can you keep the ball up? So he made like a device you put on the floor. It's got this like kind of arm that's attached to a soccer ball, and it's equivalent to like if you can keep that up and keep it in control a thousand times, that means you could probably do about a hundred keep ups with a regular ball. I was only at 11,000 keep-ups before I started using Tony Hamilton's keep-up training device. It's so excellent. I recently set a Hamburg record for over 
61,000 keep-ups. <laughs> Took me three and a half days. I held my breath 14 minutes of that time. <laughs> the greatest dad. Thank you, Tony Hamilton. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> He's also got a second product that's like a mat, and there's different things that light up. So you kind of use your footwork with the ball. As something lights up, you kind of drag the ball over there. You hit the light. You drag the ball. So it's interesting. He's got these two inventions. His net worth is unknown, and he is 64 years old. Both for soccer, huh? Well, he, Both for soccer. Yeah, curious, mm -hmm. curious. Yeah, made a real name for himself in racing, and then and then pivoted. So it makes me see, think to, that he probably wanted to be a professional soccer player himself. Probably didn't get there himself, and now he's trying to get others there. I guess it's an incredibly touching story. I've seen a few like shorter docs about the relationship mm -hmm. and the dad taking him to the track and being the mechanic, and uh, but I think Lewis was. Pretty early in his career, no, he was he was a junior driver pretty early on. He's been sponsored since he was pretty young. Yeah, he got picked up by McLaren, yeah. Ron Dennis kind of signed a deal with them, and then I think he had an early thing with Mercedes, too, as well. Ten years old on, maybe, he was sponsored. Yeah. Um, well, that's thrilling. Um, great zaddy. And he's at the races. Mm -hmm. I will say it's a really comforting. Most of these people are still... They still have their parents at the races, which is adorable. I really hope Lincoln invites me. And I'm working four jobs, so, you know, <laughs> I could be a part of this zaddy of F1 years from now. Okay, well, that was Monza. It was so thrilling. It was, um, you know, it gave us a little glimpse of what a competitive F1 mm. season could look like. It would be quite thrilling. And as much as I adore Max, I, I loved seeing him have to work that hard and to get there that. weren't very many incidents like there was no, no no crashes or anything and it was just still exciting lap. like <laughs> yeah just that formation <laughs> lap but it was so exciting without anything crazy happening yeah you know it was all on track action and no you know random accidents or anything like that so it was exciting to see like it felt far more competitive than a lot of the races. I do want to just throw out a personal anecdote having nothing to do with Formula One uh Aaron and I we're shooting a lot of stuff for Ted Seegers this weekend. That's why I was back in Michigan. Why that's why I am back in Michigan. And um, we had the opportunity yesterday to ride a jet ski three up. So <clears throat> me at two oh five, Aaron at two thirty, and Tyrell at two something. Uh, all three of us on one jet ski doing some lake riding in very choppy conditions. Stay afloat. Uh, we got injured many times. We were scared the whole time. It was horrible. <laughs> it was the worst. Uh, we did tip over for no reason, right? Yeah, when we weren't doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> we were fell down. <laughs> and then funny enough, every time we pulled, we pulled up to like some sandbars and stuff. And we just, there couldn't be more man meat on one jet ski. It looked so preposterous. We couldn't believe no one was pointing at us. Ooh. There was one time where a, a, a pontoon boat full of dudes were flipping us off and yes, cussing at us. <laughs> of course, the old my old muscle memory was like, should we follow these guys back? But then I imagine the three of us trying to dismount <laughs> this thing when we ever when we eventually got to their dock. Uh. You and, get trapped underneath it for a little while. Have to roll the thing back over for 12 minutes. Like all of it. I played the tape through forward and it, it seemed like it was, there was only further emasculation awaiting for us. And then, if we and were then to you'd have them. to get on and leave at some point. And that would be another thing. You'd all have to pile back <laughs> on this thing to rip out. 
because even <laughs> even if we won, we would have lost on the departure. Yeah. Well, that was kind of the highlight of our trip. We also did some two-up motorcycle riding for the same purpose. <sighs> that somehow looked a tiny bit cooler, but not really not much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we did Dax on the back seat, um, which he sits about. Uh, two feet taller than me <laughs> driving <laughs> and he uh, fed me the beer while i was driving oh my God. it the jet ski took us back to this i think I, we've already told you guys this story but when we were probably 19 aaron had bought a suzuki gs 550 or 650, yeah, 650 yes for 300 and we decided you know what we've always heard austin's a great city we headed out going south through indiana we get to Missouri to St. Louis. The it was so miserable. We were young enough where we couldn't admit this to each other for a long time. But uh, I was actually crying while I was driving, <laughs> and um, and <laughs> and I really just wanted it all to be over. And um, but we finally admitted it to each other. Yeah, it's in St. Louis, halfway there. I was like, I don't know if I can physically uh, make it. Did you Austin. turn around? <laughs> we turned around and we we got someone to buy us a case of beer, and we posted up in this field in the middle of nowhere. Uh, drinking beer, and then out of nowhere, what happened? Oh God! Explosions and firebombs, and um, <laughs> and uh, there was fucking drag races next to us. Yes, there was a jet car fired up, and like I don't know, five hundred yards through this field, there's the backside of this rural drag strip, and there's a jet car on the line hitting the afterburner. So then we just strolled over with our case of beer and hung at the fence and watched drag racing, then slept in the tall grass and got on our way the next morning. Perfect. But this this uh, jet ski experience was very reminiscent where i said to them i imagine you guys think it's more fun because i'm driving it but it's worse i know it's worse <laughs> i can't wait to see the the ads that come out of this us too <laughs> it was... <laughs> it'll either be embarrassing or funny or a combination of both we will be back next week we have one weekend off one sad weekend but we will be back next week with the preview of singapore Lots more pulp from the paddock, uh, some zaddies of F1, and maybe some Addy zaddies, Addy zaddies as these categories grow. Uh, so much fun catching up with you guys. Next week, we'll all be in the same, well, three of us will be in the same studio. Jethro will have his stuff figured out. Cannot wait to resume. And until then, I encourage everyone to push, 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 push.